Hey everyone, and welcome back to the I Hear Design podcast. This is Robert Yeminen, editor at large of Interiors and Sources. As always, thanks for tuning in. And I'm not sure where you are as you're listening to this episode right now, as the COVID-19 pandemic is in full swing and many of us are working from home and practicing social distancing. We here at Interiors and Sources hope you're staying healthy and safe and want to be a resource to you in this uncertain time. And while no one knows how long this is really going to last or the impact it'll ultimately have on our industry uh, and the world at large, the dust will eventually settle um, and this too shall pass, as they say. But in the meantime, we want to continue our series on acoustics in the hopes that maybe a conversation about something other than the coronavirus will offer some much needed distraction from the headlines and get us thinking and talking about issues that mattered before the pandemic and that will still matter and require our attention afterwards. That being said, I wanted to focus today's podcast on a product category I've noticed has grown tremendously in recent years as companies have tried to address the noise problem in in open offices. And I'm talking about privacy pods pods specifically, which you've all undoubtedly seen by now, um, those enclosed boxes that resemble phone booths of a bygone era. So are these products really the solution to the problems with the open office? And what do you need to know when specifying and designing with privacy pods? To help me answer those questions and others, I've invited Jim Abraham, Steelcase Director for Orange Box America's Business, and Adrian Welch, Global Key Account Manager with Orange Box, to join me. Jim and Adrian, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Robert. Um, we're glad to be included. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Good to yeah. be here. Yeah. So how are you guys? Are you, uh, you working from home? Are your offices open? Uh, what's the situation where you guys are at? Well, uh, today I am working from my home. Um, our offices are still open, but the number of people in them are continuing to decline. And um, for the past couple of days, all of my interactions have been with people um, in other parts of the world. So working from home has just been um, more practical for me. Sure. Yeah, I'm working from my home office in uh, in London, in the UK. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, like Jim, I, I'm kind of connected all around the world, so uh, it's business as usual from that perspective. Um, sure. But looking at a very empty street in London. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, it's definitely an unprecedented time, to say the least. So I hope you guys and our listeners out there continue to be safe and, and remain healthy. But, uh, uh, pri- you know, prior to the pandemic and the quote-unquote new normal we find ourselves in, um, I was noticing a lot of these privacy pods popping up in the market and I remember there being a lot of them at trade shows like Neocon. Um, so I'll start with you, Jim. Um, what, what, what do you think led to the sudden surge in these phone booth-like products that have popped up in the market in recent years? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about what, what led to it and what else might be going on that coincides with it. And I, I often um, think that the, the rise of these privacy pods um, or demand for them really is, is sort of um, – it, it, it aligns with uh, people collaborating a lot more and people misinterpret collaboration it always happens like with big groups out in the open, but mm-hmm. collaborative spaces, um, you need collaborative, collaborative spaces for small teams or people who are distributed. You know, Adrian and I, for instance, work together quite a bit. He's in London and I'm in the States. So providing um, environments um, where you can focus um, and concentrate, but still collaborate. Um, are are just as much a need in a private envelope as it is kind of in the open public space. Right, right, yeah. 
Um, Adrian, do you want to weigh in on that as well, uh, as far as what led to these privacy pods being developed in the market? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've seen all across the world, at, at different speeds, people moving to more open plan, collaborative environments. And one of the drivers for that has been technology, enabling us to do that. We're, we're able much more easily to work effectively away from our traditional fixed workstations. So that's driven these more open spaces, but that doesn't necessarily work for everybody and doesn't work for every type of work you need to get done. And so I believe that's been one of the main drivers is that quite often people have moved to these open spaces and it's not been effective for everybody in them. So the response has been adding enclosures back in again. Right, right. Yeah, I was going to say, or ask you guys rather, um, do you think these privacy pods were kind of a signal that the open office concept was a failure of sorts or that it just uh, needed some adjusting? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, we've always thought that a open collaborative space is a, it's a mixture of a lot of different kinds of spaces for people to work in. So open and collaborative, private and, you know, sheltered, both from a acoustical or even from a visual perspective. But um, and having the ability to um, to move and flex and, and adjust as uh, as time goes on, you know we're we're in an environment right now where people are adapting to change. They're being forced to adapt to change in an instant. And I think what the open environment has allowed companies to do has um, is actually make those kinds of flexible changes um, on the fly. Not big moves, but um, more like micro moves. So the, the notion of pods, um, especially ones that go up and, and move uh, very easily, provide that level of focus and concentration in an open environment so people can uh, collaborate effectively even in small teams or remotely. Um, just it, it, it helps the overall environment. And, but I wouldn't say that it um, is a signal that the open plan wasn't working. It's just it's a part of the open plan. Yeah, I would, I would add that I think it's... Uh, partly to do with the speed at which things have been changing as well. Um, like Jim says, it's often decisions are having to be made quickly. Uh, the, the, the need, the type of uh, requirement that spaces have put on them has, has changed. Um, one thing we've always done at Orange Box is be driven by research, both our own and other people's. And we've looked at what, what makes workspaces effective now as they have to perform so many different functions. Uh, one thing we reference is called the three P's. If you get these three things in the right balance, then your workspace will continue to be effective. And those are um, proximity, permission, and privacy. So mm -hmm. each different space has to have those things. They've got to be in the right places. The workforce has to have the permission from the top of the business to use them. But actually the third one is kind of what we're talking about. No matter how open your workplace is becoming and how flexible it is, the need for everyone to have privacy at certain points and in certain ways is, is crucial to these offices functioning. And where we've seen office spaces not working, it's often where one of those three P's has been forgotten or ignored or marginalized. So, um, no, I don't believe that uh, the open plan office concept is failing, but I think sometimes it's poorly executed. And design can play a huge role in, in, in it actually succeeding. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so do you guys think these products are more of a, a solution for existing open offices that need to address 
uh, lack of acoustics and privacy, or do you see them more as being like the new norm uh, in workplace design going forward? So when I step back and I think of just office furniture in general over the years, um, office furniture has intuitively always been very um, flexible, chairs, desks, um, but private offices, private meeting rooms um, have never been. Um, so I almost look at it as like the needs of the office haven't really changed over the years, but, but now there are products that actually take those, those private meeting rooms and give them the same level of, of flexibility and modularity that chairs and desks and panel systems and cubicles had in the past. So I look at it as actually innovation in the, in the office industry has enabled now these meeting rooms and these private spaces to, to be as flexible as a, as, a normal, as a regular piece of office furniture. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Adrian, did you want to weigh in on that one as well? Yeah, it's an interesting point, actually, that you make about whether they're a, a fix uh, or a new norm. I believe, again, because of the speed at which things have changed, they often have been a fix. It's been a, this space isn't working for everyone. What do we do about it? And, mm-hmm. and we, we put some stuff in. But I believe long term, they can be a true change to real estate strategy and to workplace strategy. Um, So going forward, I think people understand these types of products better and are able to plan better in advance to use them. They can allow a much more flexible real estate strategy in the longer term. Yeah, that's that's a good point, Adrian. Um, So to steer the conversation specifically toward acoustics that we've been addressing here in this series, how effective are privacy pods in addressing the problem of unwanted noise in the workplace? Like, is there data or testing done on them to show that they really do reduce the amount of uh, noise someone needs for that uh, that heads-down work? Um, Jim, what are your thoughts? I'll let Adrian um, answer this one because we've, we've actually been doing um, a number of studies with um, some of our clients on, on how they actually perform in a a real live work environment. Okay. Right. Yeah, happy to, Jim. Um, it's really interesting because there's traditional measures around acoustics, STCs, NRCs. Um, in Europe, we measure decibel levels. And mm-hmm. often those numbers are quoted, and certainly a lot of the actual end users of these products, those numbers don't mean an awful lot to them in reality. What people really care about is if everyone in the space can do effective work, can feel that they're either uh, in a quiet enough zone to do what they need to do, or if they're doing something that requires privacy, that they can't be understood. And what that led us to with, with some of our major clients is actually looking at speech intelligibility rather than just a, a, a sort of cold number. Um, because actually that is ultimately what we're looking to do is, is, is again, going back to that idea, of a space that acoustically is comfortable for everybody because sometimes extreme silence is as uncomfortable as too much noise and we've also found sometimes with these enclosed spaces that if they're too acoustically sealed they can feel uncomfortable and because you have no gauge against what's going on outside them you don't actually know whether people can hear you or not because you're 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 kind of in this vacuum and so that's what we've really tried to get to a point is where um, you know, there is a more natural transition between the enclosed space and the open plan space. And what we're working to measure is 
can people understand what's being said either side of that wall? Because ultimately, that's what people care about. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, we hear so much about those specific ratings and numbers rather than intelligibility, which uh, makes a whole lot more sense. But uh, okay. And then, you know, kind of bringing the conversation to a kind of a more practical level, uh, what factors should designers consider when specifying and designing with these products? Like, is there an ideal location or number of pods per square foot, um, you know, ADA, compliance, fire safety, that kind of thing? Well, Adrian had mentioned this, but I'll mention it again. Um, from a starting fresh perspective, like thinking about it um, as a real estate strategy is, is really in, important um, because fixed fixed offices, fixed walls, fixed objects, uh, they don't change. And, and as, I, as I mentioned earlier, like we're in this unprecedented time of like rapid change. But businesses go under there, they are evolving all the time. So thinking of it as a real estate strategy allows you to change over time because it doesn't matter what somebody does on day one. Um, on day 10, 20, 365, they're going to want to optimize it a little bit more and they're going to want to change. So having the flexibility to change is, uh, is, is critical and thinking about it up front and, and building that into the whole set of criteria. I think other things about compliance and fire safety and ADA, all those things are crucial. Um, we, we look at all those things um, in Orange Box. You know, um, life safety from, a, um, from a, uh, an office room perspective is really important in almost every jurisdiction. Compliance uh, or uh, accessibility um, for all the users, that's really important. Um, we also think about how the footprint of the office um, might change even over time. You know, what might originally had started as a uh, one or two person enclave in, the, in, a, uh, in six months, maybe it was in, in, in an ideal world, it would be more like a four person, um, a four person office. So thinking about that up front as part of a real estate strategy and kind of what the, the business is going to go through um, is really something designers can consider as they're, as they're planning. Sure. Adrian, you want to um, add anything to that? Yeah, I think um, to Jim's point, the, the looking at the planning of, and the designing of these spaces uh, with the future in mind, uh, also with the overall needs of that space. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we as, a, as an industry, the furniture manufacturing industry, are, are very good at delivering projects. Um, but actually, as, as, as designers and clients, we have to be looking at the life cycle of that space. Um, and so that's where, yeah, we, we really look to strike a balance between uh, everything we just we just discussed, the, the compliance, the code, uh, the building code. Um, that, that's a really important topic because these products sit somewhere in between what's traditional either open space or, or, or built rooms. Um, so, so how the pods can deal with that immediately, but then also as they evolve and change with the space as well, are uh, really, really important design considerations. Um, sure. And really following on from Jim's point, where we see the issue beyond initial projects is often have we got enough of those two to six person spaces, whether that's 
for one-on-one meetings or for video conferences or for someone to focus. Uh, you know, so often you see two-person meetings taking place in boardrooms, They're tying up way too much real estate. And so designing with that in mind that you know, we need to figure out as we go sometimes those two to six person spaces um, using these types of products can re- really help with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do you guys have a sense of how many pods are generally ideal for a certain square footage uh, office or or how many people, you know, per pod that, that you should have? Like, is there a general uh, ratio, for example, that people should follow? From your perspective, Adrian, working with some of our global accounts, um, do you think there's been a um, uh, kind of a quantifiable ratio? We're starting to hear, um, and this is specifically around this, the single-person phone booths, which obviously has kind of led the uh, led the way, certainly from an awareness point of view. Um, we're hearing some people say, you might want one of those single-person rooms per 10 employees. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's, that's, a, that's a big provision. Um, but actually what we've also seen is, to an earlier point, people have been adding those single-person rooms really as a, as a quick fix to an issue, whereas when you're looking at it from a real estate point of view, um, it's probably more that you need flexible private spaces for you know, two to four people for every 20 to 40 employees. So, yeah, the, the ratios obviously change around by client type, but, but that's some of the stuff that we're seeing out there at the moment. Yeah, got it, got it. A lot of really important considerations you guys mentioned that I know our listeners will appreciate and be able to put into practice hopefully very soon. So, Well, that's, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Adrian and Jim, thanks again for being here and offering your perspectives on this topic. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, anytime. Well, for our listeners out there, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, We'll wrap up our series on acoustics next time. Um, Until then, hang in there, stay safe and healthy, and be well, everyone.